0: Well, we're going to speak about a candlestick. And this is just a a picture again to remind us of the the veil coming in and then the veil back here, which led into the most holy place. And it's this section in here that we are actually going to think about today. And we put this one up because it shows it a little bit clearer. You see here, this was the entrance in here, and this was the area called the holy place. And then through that curtain was the holy of holies or the most holy place. As we come in here and as the priest would have come in here and he pulled back the curtain and come into this section here, he would have seen all the beautiful gold on the walls. He would have seen ahead of him the curtain or the veil which was the entrance into the most holy place and then he would have looked up and as we saw last week you would have seen the roof of the place was also a curtain spread over the whole thing very similar to this one here entering into the veil and then he would look around and the things he would have seen as he looked around the first thing which was obvious was the candles, uh, they weren't actually, it was an oil, it's called a candlestick in in the Bible but in actual fact it burned oil And there it was. And it gave light. And it was on this side here. Then there was a table here which had loaves of bread on it, called showbread, S-H-E-W. Now that was the old-fashioned spelling of S-H-O-W. But you know, I worked, when I started off as a surveyor, it was getting on to years ago, I worked for a very old boss. It was the oldest firm of surveyors in the British Isles, in actual fact. And we spelt S-H-O-W as S-H-E-W. We had a lot of odd spellings. And we still stuck to the Old Testament. Now This firm hadn't been in existence since the Old Testament. But uh, it, the way we spelt, a lot of the words was the same way as they were in the Old Testament. It took me a while getting used to it. We had the whole new spelling in some words. But it was the showbread. And we'll talk about that some other time. And then this altar here was the altar of incense. And this was an altar on which incense was burned. And they candlestick on this side. Now let's look at Exodus chapter 25. We'll read just a few verses in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 31. Exodus 25 and 31, and thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work shall the candlestick be made, and his shaft, and his branches, his bowls, his knobs, and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side, three bowls, made like unto almonds with a knob and a flower in one branch and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch with a knob and a flower. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick and in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knobs and their flowers. And there shall be a knob under two branches of the same and a knob under two branches of the same and a knob under two branches of the same according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick their knobs and their branches shall be the same all it shall be one beaten work of pure gold and thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof and they shall light the lamps thereof that they may give light over against it and the tongues thereof and the censers thereof shall be of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold shall he make it, and all these with all these vessels. And look thou that they thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. Now that description uh, apparently ends up looking something like this. There it was. It had seven lights up here, and these are the various knobs and flowers that were indicated. The bowls where the oil was, and the light which it gave out. People don't know how big it was, but they reckon it was about two foot three or so, about the height of the table. About the same height as the table of, that contained the loaves of bread on the other side. You know, when I came to look at this, I realized that there was an awful lot more to it. I thought we might have got on a bit further today than we are going to get, There there's an awful lot in this, but we're not... There are people who could go on about this particular item for weeks, but we haven't time to do that to try and get it into today. You know, it is made of pure gold, and it wasn't cast, it was beaten, it was all beaten out. In one piece, amazing. All that was just one particular piece of gold which was beaten out and hammered out. The man was very skillful who made it. We look at that someday, the people who made these things. They were given special gifts of God to enable them to do this work. They were chosen men by God who were picked out from the children of Israel in order to do the work of the tabernacle. Now we can see, as we said before, the objects within the tabernacle all point in some way to aspects of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it look like? Well, go back again to verse 31. And it said, the bowls shall look like almonds. They shall make a candlestick of pure gold. It has to be pure gold. No no impurities in it. And They shall have bowls and knobs, and flowers shall be the same. And in verse 33, these bowls shall look like almonds. Why almonds? I wonder why almonds. We shall see later on what was placed in the Ark of the Covenant. In the Ark of the Covenant, which was in the holiest place there was the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant there were different things put into it. One was the, the, the tablets containing the, the commandments. One was a pot of manna that the people did eat in the wilderness. Another thing was Aaron's rod. I don't know whether you've heard, heard or not, but Aaron's rod that budded, it's called. And the story behind that, we're not going to look at it in terrible detail this morning, but in Numbers 17 verse 8 it says and it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and blossomed blossoms and yielded almonds the story behind it was there'd been a kind of rebellion against Aaron and against his family who were appointed by God to be the priests And there there was a rebellion. God dealt very severely with the people who rebelled. But one thing Moses said to the people to do is to get rods, all just branches, all dried up bits of wood, rods, and put the names of the tribes of the people on the rods. And they were left. When Moses went in, it says there as we are reading, When Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, they placed them all in the tabernacle. There were 11 rods which looked the same as they were before, but Aaron's rod, a miracle had taken place. Aaron's rod had budded, it had blossomed, it had brought forth almonds. So almonds was a proof of the high priesthood of Aaron. And then on there, were nobody, there was nobody going to argue that Aaron was the one chosen by God to be the high priest and his sons were to be those who would deal in holy things. And so the, the symbols on this here, the symbols of almonds, were a symbol of the high priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest as the rod of Aaron budded and brought forth almonds showing that Aaron was the high priest this being a type of the Lord Jesus Christ a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ it's a picture of him being our high priest this rod was just a dry rod or stick but it blossomed and produced fruit in scripture we're told that Christ was a root out of a dry ground yet he in Corinthians it says he became the first fruits of them that slept in 1 Corinthians 15 it says now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits he was the first fruits of them that had died but every man it says after his own order Christ the first fruits after they that are Christ's coming Christ died and rose from the dead, he was the first one of many. Because Christ died and rose from the dead, we then have proof that we someday will rise from the dead and go to be with the Lord. So the almonds were put there showing and signifying that, that Aaron was the high priest, but also that Christ is our high priest. And we through him are fruitful. Now the Jewish writers the Jewish writers say that the flowers the flowers in verse 31 and flowers it says that the flowers were lilies. The Song of Solomon in chapter 2 and verse 1 it says I am the rose of Sharon the lily of the valley. It's one of the words one of the the, the beautiful things that are applied to the Lord Jesus. He's the lily of the valley. We used to sing a song, a hymn. I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley. In him alone I see how all I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow, he's my comfort. In trouble, he's my stay. He tells me all my care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's the lily of the valley. And that's why these flowers were there, signifying that it's a picture of Jesus Christ being the lily of the valley, the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Another obvious picture. Of of is that God is light, and Jesus said, "I am the light of the world." So this was giving light, and Jesus said, "I am the light of the world." All the gold in the tabernacle was pure; it was pure gold. There were no impurities in this candlestick, and that speaks, of course, of Christ's righteousness and His purity. And it was beaten. It says it was beaten out, beaten out of one piece. It was beaten and beaten and beaten to get it into that shape. And it had to be forged, it had to be heated, it had to be just... The craftsman had to do an awful lot to get these beautiful lines and to get those seven bowls there for it to give light. Christ, the one and only Son of God. It was all made out of one piece. He is the one and only Son of God and he was beaten by the wrath and punishment of God at Calvary and he is beautiful. So there are many aspects that we look at. It says that the light here burned continually. In Hebrews 7.25 it says, Wherefore he is able to save to the uttermost them that cometh to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. See, the old high priest, they died every now and again. Another one had to take his place. But with the Lord Jesus Christ, he ever liveth to make intercession before his Father for us. These lights burned continually. We were sure if we went into to the holy place, those lights were lighting. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so we see in the candlestick a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, I want to go on and look a little bit further. Jesus Christ also said when he was talking to his disciples one day, he had said to them, I am the light of the world. And he is the light of the world. And we all know that wonderful picture by Holman Hunt of the light of the world. Knocking at the door, Jesus Christ, asking to come into your heart and mind. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. A wonderful invitation to us to let Christ into our lives. You know, you know the old story when when when, when the, the artist was supposed to have finished the painting, and uh, somebody said to him, "You've made a mistake." He said, there's no handle on the door. And Holman said, no, the handle's on the inside. It's up to us to open the door. But Christ also said to his disciples in Matthew 5 and verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, or on, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house." Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what he says. You're the light of the world. I'm the light of the world, but I'm going to shine through you. You're the light. And he said, I want you to shine before men that they may see the things that you do. But here's the secret. And then the men will glorify your Father. They won't glorify you. They will glorify your Father which is in heaven. We are lights. We are like candlesticks. want to look at that. Remember I told you a few weeks ago that when we become Christians, we saw how the the Israelite could only go as far as the altar. He couldn't come into the holy place. It was only the priests could go past the altar and come and worship and carry out religious ordinances within the holy place and elsewhere had to go to the laver and wash before they went in do you remember well we are priests we are priests like Aaron's rod that blossomed and brought forth fruit we are supposed when we are christians to produce fruit the Bible says that we should produce fruit in our lives. We were dead like Aaron's, like the, the rod looked dead, didn't it? It was dead. They put the 12 rods in and it was dead. We were dead. The Bible says we were dead in trespasses and sins. But when we accept Christ into our lives, he makes us alive like Aaron's rod. It became alive and it brought forth it blossomed and it brought forth fruit. We have to blossom in this world like and rod, but we also have to have the beauty of lilies. We saw that Jesus Christ was referred to as lilies. But we too have to blossom in this world like lilies. And this is why we read that verse in Hosea, that chapter in Hosea. If we look at it, just, this verse 5 in Hosea. God had been saying to Israel who had strayed away, I want you to come back to me. And if you come back to me, he says, you're going to be beautiful. In verse 4, it says, I'll heal the backsliding. Oh, they were slipping back. The picture always in Scripture about backsliding is a backsliding heifer. You know, when you're on a farm, Mary would know about this or her brother, on a farm, these old bullocks, when they're trying to get up a bank, they're slipping back and slipping back and trying to get up. And that's the picture Israel was of a backsliding heifer. And God says, I'll heal your backsliding. I will love you freely, for mine anger is turned away. Oh, that's the graciousness of God. Even though we slip and backslide, God's love is always there, helping us, encouraging us to come back to him. And he says, I will be as the dew unto Israel. Oh, I will refresh you. I'll I'll make you fresh again in your love for me. And then he says, And Israel shall grow as the lily. He wants us to grow up like lilies, to be beautiful for him. So that men, you know when you look at these beautiful flowers and you say, aren't they beautiful? But when people look at you and me, we want to produce works that they will say, isn't God wonderful? Isn't God wonderful? Not that I'm wonderful or that you're wonderful, but they want to glorify God because of the things you do in your life. Christ was represented as a lily and so we must be Christ-like, we must be beautiful in our work for him. But you know, the candlestick was lovely. That was a lovely candlestick, but it it needed something. It needed one thing to make it useful. It needed oil. If it didn't have oil, there was no point in having it. In Exodus chapter 27, just a few verses, chapters further on, we read about the oil. And that's verse 20 in chapter 27, "And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil, olive, pure oil, olive, beaten for the light. Olive oil, pure olive oil, to cause the lamp to burn always." Always. That's important. In the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall order it from evening unto morning before the Lord, and it shall be a statute forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. They had to put the light in, and this light had to have oil. If you want to Listen to this, but you can look at it if you like, in in Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. This is a vision that the prophet Zechariah had. And the angel talked with me again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, What seest thou? And And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold he had a vision of this candlestick with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and the seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof and two olive trees by it he saw it was a vision it was like a, a dream you know things aren't always sensible uh, in, in dreams my grandmother always just insist on telling me her dreams and they never made sense to me. <laughs> Nobody else's dreams make sense to you. But this, this, was a, uh, this wasn't just an ordinary dream. This was a vision God gave him. And he said there were two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side. And so I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? What does this mean? Candlestick with an olive tree at each side of it. Knowest thou not what these be? He said. And I said, no. No, my Lord, I don't. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto saying, What he Saying, this is the whole point of the dream that he gave him, or the vision that he had. He was telling him that it was not by might, not by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts oh that candlestick he was saying wasn't going to light by your strength or your power it was because you were going to have to get all of oil and put it in the lamps oil speaks in the Bible of the Holy Spirit we need to be filled and controlled by the Spirit of God when we accept Christ as our Savior he says I am going to come in and live with you in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And he will fill our hearts and our lives, and we need to be controlled. The candlestick was useless unless it had the Holy Spirit, unless it had the oil, and we are useless unless we are filled with the Spirit of God. Now there's a strange thing about a verse in Numbers chapter 8 and verse 2 and 3. Numbers 8 and verse 2 and 3, uh, The verse which they tell me is this is what it means. Speak unto Aaron and say unto him, When thou lightest the lamp, the seven lamps shall give light over against the candlestick. And Aaron did so. He lighted the lamps thereof over against the candlestick as the Lord commanded Moses. The picture is that when this lit, it gave light first and foremost to the candlestick itself. That's the thought behind it. The light was first and foremost to give light to the lampstand and then the main duty of the Holy Spirit in our lives is first of all to glorify the Lord Jesus. We should glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. That's what Jesus said. When the Holy Spirit will come, he shall glorify me. The function of the Holy Spirit is to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the main duty. The song in heaven is to glorify the lamb. Worthy the lamb that died. Everybody's praising the Lord Jesus Christ. Our primary function in our lives is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the light, the oil, and the candlestick operated together. The Spirit needed the candlestick. The oil needed the candlestick in order to light. The Holy Spirit in our lives, in order, in order to give light to those around us, to shine for Him. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Let your light shine in darkness. Any church which concentrates on praying to and glorifying the Holy Spirit, apart from Christ, and except Christ is involved, Christ is is the one who must be glorified at all times. Be careful that we don't become spirit-centered and not Christ-centered. If we are met in the name of Christ, he has promised to be here in our midst in the person of the Holy Spirit. So I remember going to a church and the minister was saying pastor he said somebody complained to him he said you're the trouble with you people you're always praising God you're all, you overdo it <laughs> and I was thinking about this last night how often should we glorify the Lord Jesus in our lives and you may say let's not." you're getting too excited about this we have to live down here on earth, so let's be practical. But you know, the children of Israel were living in a wilderness. They were living in a desert, in an awful, rough environment. If we look at Leviticus, Leviticus 24. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure olive oil. This is it again, the story of the candlestick, Beaten for the light. To cause the lamps to shine, to burn, continually. Continually. Without the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, shall Aaron order it from the evening unto the morning, before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. There was continual light. Continually. Psalm 34 verse 1 I will bless the Lord at all time His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Continually. Not just now and again when we feel like it. It says no, the psalmist said his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Luke 24, 52. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem. These disciples had the apostles had been out on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus had been taken away from them. They came back. You know, we we were told that they were hiding and people say they were nervous. But they listen, that's not the way it was. They worshipped. And returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were excited that Jesus had gone away from them because he had promised that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to them. And they came back and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. They were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Not when they felt like it or if they didn't. No, they were there continually. Hebrews. 13 verse 15 by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name let us continue to continually praise God for all his goodness for all his blessings the light shone before the 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 in the the temple before the, the the altar of incense and gave light to the showbread and all the rest of it continually it wasn't just a hit and miss thing there's one other point about the candlestick we look at uh, before we close verse 38 verse 38 and it had it had different things and the one translation says and the tongues thereof and the snuff dishes thereof shall be of pure gold it had tongues snuff dishes and tongs. And what were these for? Sometimes the light became dim and Aaron had to apply the tongs to remove the bits of debris and stuff that had gathered at the top. It was blocking the light from shining brightly and they had these little tongs and these tongs were pure gold as well and they were to remove any bits of debris and dirt which had gathered at the top of the light in order that the lights would shine brightly. You know, sometimes our light grows dim and we need to remove the dross from our lives. We need to apply this, the, the tongues to our life to get rid of the bits and pieces that are clogging up our life and not letting our Christian life shine brightly. We need to ask God to forgive us like they had, the priests went to the, the laver and, and washed their hands and their feet. We saw that picture, remember, of the, the, the priests before they could offer us I had to wash. We need to go back again and again to the Word of God. We need to be washed by the Word. The tongues were of pure gold. We need to apply the robe of righteousness daily in our lives so that our lives are pure the passage in the New Testament which deals with our lives being pure and fruitful is in John 15 all about the gardener uh, cutting back and taking off the dead wood the heavenly gardener needs at times to remove the dead wood from our lives to cut away the suckers you know a the suckers on a rose bush stop it being fruitful takes all the the goodness away and they shoot away off in the wrong direction they allow the the, the other, the main stem becomes less fruitful because there are suckers coming out uh, from the bottom of it. it stops us being fruitful they need to be removed, those kind of things they need to be cut back this may seem harsh. I remember my father had a lot of rose bushes and he used to prune them back and they say they'll never grow again and the next year they'll be better than ever. I have to cut away the dead wood and make sure that our lives are pure. Like the hymn writer, we need to say take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. Take myself and let me move at the impulse of thy love. Finally, God said, make sure, in verse 40, that you make these things after the pattern which was showed you in the mount. Nothing of Moses or the chap, you know, the chap who was given the job to make this, he might have said, ah, oh, listen, it'd be nice if there were eight little candlesticks here instead of seven. No, there was nothing that wasn't of God allowed. That Him said, take myself and let me move at the impulse of thy love. Not after what I want, but what the Lord Jesus Christ wants in my life. You know, we used to sing that song when we were kids. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. But remember, as we seek to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and that they may, and this is it, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Thank you.